welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you are listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Philip from Domain Rewa in Lowburn in central Otago of New Zealand. Philip purchased the vineyard Sight Unseen back in 2010. So right now let's go have a chat with Philippa. So hi Philippa. Hi Boris. Nice to meet you. Thanks for um Thanks for coming online and just um, so our listeners know we're doing this over Skype in case it sounds a little bit um, electronic or, or, or sort of cuts in and out a little bit. Um, so, Philippa, I understand you're, you're sitting in, in Wanaka at the moment and you're, you live on the, on the vineyard and it's not far away. So, yeah, how did you, how did you get into what you're doing right now? Wine. <laughs> well, thank you for the invitation to join you today. Um, how did I get into today? It's into what I'm doing. Um, COVID nineteen has got me at the back of Wanaka today, um, but more on a more long term basis. Um, I, w- I grew up in Otago, so I grew up on a sheep and beef farm um, near Lake Mahanarangi, which is about sort of just over an hour from Dunedin. So I was always really familiar with the area. Um, you know, we used to come on holidays up here or skiing and and things. And I was educated in, in Dunedin, so. Um, and I, and I guess growing up on a farm, I always, I was sort of in touch with the land, I guess. And as I sort of got older and, um, sort of got through university, I, I, I wanted to have my own, I was in, I was in a sort of a young professional, but I always wanted to have my own business. And I kind of, I didn't, I sort of thought maybe I'd go, um, into all sorts of different things. I looked at an apricot orchard. I looked at a walnut orchard, um, thought about a catering business, um, I just moved to London and then res- just resigned from my job and thought I would go to cooking school and then went back into back into banking my profession and then all the while I sort of kept thinking about Central Otago and um, driving through and and my father had said to me that he thought I should buy a vineyard at some point because it would be a good you know a good sort of um, sort of melding of my two interests I guess which was you know the land and um, food and wine and so it sort of came about sort of slowly, uh, but probably quite organically, I think. And then I came back in 2009 for a reasonably a, a reasonable period of time. And I did a bit of due diligence on um, on the area and on a few different properties. And then late 2009, early 2010, the property that we now own um, was on the market. And my parents came to have a, have a look at it one Sunday and called me in London um, and said, look, this is the perfect place, you should buy this. So um, I looked at it and thought, mm, not sure about that, I don't really like the house, I don't really want a house. And then um, they said that I was being absolutely ridiculous. And so I put an offer in and ended up becoming the owner of uh, what is now Domain Rewa within about 24 hours. Well, went unconditional really quickly. So, um, and I was clueless, Boris. I had absolutely really no idea at all about the wine industry. So sight, sight unseen for you, but did, did you know the area very well? Or? Yeah, I knew the area because I'd always driven through. It was really just, you know, I, I knew the area pre the, the Dunstan Lake, the, the, you know, the dam and Clyde going in. Oh. But it was always sort of a bit of a rabbit-infested um, hole, really, mm. I always thought. And I, I remember very, um, very um, um, I was <laughs> sort of a bit of a precocious, um, probably young teen saying that I would never live in Cromwell. I thought it was a 
dreadful place and now I find myself living in or outside Cromwell and I love it <laughs> so yeah. one has to be very careful what they say um yeah. but no so yeah I knew the area but but not 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 really really well yeah yeah and the area has changed a huge amount I mean and for anyone that's been familiar with with I mean Central Otago period it's it's gone under extraordinary um, change in the past well, seems to be year on year, but you know, in the past 30, 40 years, it's it's quite a different place. Yes, and and so that time, uh, were there many other? I mean, there would have been a, a handful, but were there many other wineries or, or vineyards close to you where you were, where you'd bought? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the vineyard, the vineyard that um, I've got was really was really um, thoughtfully planted by the um, Lawrence family of Orem Wines. So mm-hmm. they, they had planted it sort of 10 years prior to me buying it. So well, a bit more, actually, probably the late 90s. So and beside me, we've got, I've got the Surveyor Thompson. Um, there's a, a little chart farm um, vineyard. There's also um, Mount Edward. And I think um, Akarua and... Um, Emmersfield and things had also planted their vineyards further up. So yeah, there was definitely there was definitely um, quite a few vineyards um, mm. vineyards around. Mm. And just just for our listeners, so does it have does it have a, a particular sort of appellation name, if you like, where you are? Is it? Um, I think it's Pisa, really. It's um, Pisa, or um, sometimes it gets called Lowburn, but it's because it's nestled under the Pisa Range and yeah. looks out um, sort of over Lake Dunstan. Um, I, I always call it Pisa. Um, yeah. The Appalachians are sort of, um, you know, are, are beginning are discussed more and more in Central Otago, but there's no sort of um, legally defined Appalachians as no. such. But yeah, we we would we would be the we would be Pisa or Lowburn or whatever they decide to um, yeah. to <laughs> yeah. coin the area. Yes, yeah, and so th- they were p- producing wine off the. Um, vines when you bought it they were they were producing wine so they were namely producing wine under um the Orem brand they may have sold a little bit of the fruit mm-hmm. so um so we was we were lucky because you know having a you know buy, buying a vineyard that's been really well and thoughtfully planted with a house and having all the infrastructure you know with the benefit of hindsight was immensely fortuitous so mm-hmm. it's just five and a half hectares and um it's about it's fifty percent of it is Pinot, and then the rest is sort of split between Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, and Riesling. So it's a nice little mix, you know. It's a small five and a half hectares is a is um, a nice size when someone's learning. I mean, you know, and and I was abroad for the first sort of ten or most of the first ten years that I owned it. So I think it was um, it's it's been ideal, um, and and and. Well, I don't really know. It's been ideal in terms of just it's been managed. It's been largely been manageable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so how was how was that work for you? So, did you have then have to um, hunt around and get people to come in and and look after yeah. it for you, or how did you? Yeah, so, it? yeah. So, um, better born lucky than rich, Boris. Um, well, I guess the period that with, with a little bit of due diligence, I sort of stumbled across a few people and I guess you know Otago is quite small so you you know you, I probably um you know met a few people or my you know family or friends knew a new pe- few people in the industry so I stumbled across um Vine Wise um which is Grant Ralston and Gary Ford who have a they 
run my vineyard and they um, are biodynamic, um, organic. They li- they're contractors, but they like they specialise in smaller and, and they um, biodynamic and organic producers. So I've been very, very lucky to work with them since the beginning. And then they have a gentleman by the name of um, Kim Logan, who sort of, you know, looks after my vineyard on a day-to-day basis. So so that's been great. So they've And they've taught me a lot and been very patient with my fundamental lack of knowledge at the beginning and probably still now and just sort of worked through things with me and um I have, you know I mean I honestly have just been superb and we've had the same goals and been on the same page and I just I just think that's been it's absolutely um integral to have a partner like that so that that has stood me in particularly good stead um and then I a winemaker obviously um, was a little bit tricky because when I started out, I didn't want to, you know, produce all of, the, use all of the fruit into my own label, being Domain Rewa. Um, I wanted to just sort of go and move into it slowly. So in the first year, no one really wanted to make wine for Domain Rewa because I was too small. I think I only did about three or 4,000 bottles. Um, so, but then Pete Bartle um, had, you know, was familiar with the site and was um, from when it was first planted and liked the site and he agreed to make the wine sort of on a, with a few conditions so Pete Bartle has been making the wine you know ever since 2011 as well so we've been very very fortunate to have this you know continuity which I think has been integral in sort of us being able to develop and grow and and focus on the you know be being unreservedly focused on the quality and you know and everyone's been on you know the same page so that's been I feel, I feel extremely fortunate for that mm, mm, yeah oh well yes you definitely um you definitely need that that support if it's all it's all a new game for you um <laughs> on the other side and you're on the other side of the world and so did you just um you mentioned the varietals you, you just kept it as it was and and still doing the same or has that changed Yes, so I started off and I produced 3,000 bottles, as I said, and I sort of split that across the Riesling, Chardonnay and Pinot, yeah. um, more Pinot and Chardonnay. But, and actually, I only ever did the Riesling because I couldn't sell the fruit that year. So I've stuck with that all the way through. Um, I haven't changed any of the plantings. Um, and I now use, I've used all, I won in 2000, our 2013 Chardonnay, um, won New Zealand's top Chardonnay and the Cuisine Awards. So from that point on, we used all of the fruit. You know, we've sort of just slowly sold less and less fruit every year. Um, so and um, we stopped selling any fruit, Chardonnay fruit in 2015. We don't sell any more Pinot fruit now or Riesling. And we sell all of the Pinot Gris uh, fruit still just because my husband... Um, um, we moved back a couple of years ago, but my husband is a, a horticultural potter, so he makes big vases, and he wants to make something the amphora, which you'll be familiar with, and we want to do sort of launch the Pinot Gris as an amphora wine, or or so we're just we're just holding back. We just have time hasn't been on our side. We're just on that front. So hopefully, two thousand and twenty one, we'll be able to use the Pinot Gris fruit ourselves and and make an amphora. Um, wow, that's cool. What what size are you thinking? What what what? Um, well, look, this is all a bit of a learning process. So Yannick, my husband, makes um, really large horticultural vases. So you know, the way he's got a couple at the moment that are, have used about half a ton of clay. 
um, so quite big vessels, but the, the, the means in which he makes them is, is a, it's a very old technique called the rope technique. So it's, it's probably not the ideal technique for um, making an amphora. We need to use another technique called the coil technique, which means that the internal um, amphora structure would be smooth and you know, appropriate for winemaking. Mm -hmm. So that's something he's got to teach himself, as well as um, get the kiln fired up, which was supposed to be fired up on the day of we went into level four, um, oh. or in store, you know, final, the final installation part. Um, I think it's a really, it's a bit of a learning process um, for him, and also he is a winemaker. So we're going to tap into the, you know, skill and expertise of the likes of um, Rudy from Quartz Reef and Pete, obviously, and Ellen Brady, and just sort of experiment with what is an optimal size um, and and, and also what's very important is an optimal shape um, mm. because mm. they are very they take a long time to produce and you don't want to be you know they've got to be able to be cleaned and moved quite easily um, without breaking so it's all there's quite a few factors to consider but I think you want to be sort of at least anywhere between sort of three hundred. Uh, um, to sort of eight, nine hundred liters, I think would be would be great. But is it, is it similar similar to some of those ceramic eggs that we've seen? Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a gentleman um, by the name of Andrew Beckham who's in, lives in Oregon with his um, wife, and he's he's a potter. He's on a similar sized vineyard to ours, um, and he he's really developed quite a following. Um, for his M4 is made on their vineyard. Their vineyards are similar size. So we were hoping to go and, you know, you know, work together and sort of tap into some of his knowledge. I think he's been doing it probably since about 2012, but right. don't think we're travelling very far at all this year. But anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah. we will be using all of our fruit, but we just want to – everything about Domaine Rewa has sort of been um, – it just has happened, you know, a bit, it's happened quite slowly, but we've got to – clear vision and I guess that's just the one of the, the next the, one of the more immediate projects we've got coming up but we just didn't want to reduce re release a Pinot Gris until you know we could do it in the way that we wanted to do it which yeah, is an sure. amphora yeah nice mm. nice oh that's um that, that that's exciting and the, the 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 Riesling which is always um you know, I, I hear different <laughs> different comments about Riesling. You know, one of the most common is probably that it's a it's it's a winemakers and a a wine lovers varietal, um, mm. and, and hard to get any traction and sort of in market if you like. Um, I mean, it's a varietal that I I really like. Um, how do you has that sort of grown on you? Um, is, what, what where's that sitting? as far as yeah. you know, with the other it's, um, it's interesting isn't it so look <clears throat> you're absolutely right I mean and and everyone goes gosh don't produce you know why don't you pull out all your Riesling and plant Chardonnay yeah. um look we we of course love Riesling and lots of people that whenever they try Riesling they also love it um um but it isn't the easiest thing to sell um uh, it's, but I mean, we we will continue to make it, and things fashions change. You know, it was really interesting. We had we had a um, a sommelier and his wife, who was you know had a big um, 
a big sort of restaurant venture in Brisbane, in, in Brisbane over a few, just must have been in February. And they were like, there's a huge change in Australia, you know, that's been going on in the past year to 18 months. Where, because, you know, Australian Riesling is very different than New Zealand Riesling. It's sort of dry and um, <laughs> very dry in many instances. And Australians have, you know, consistently, historically sort of shunned Kiwi Riesling. But they said there's been quite a change in the past, um, in, in the past 18 months to, you know, more recently on that front, and Austra- and, and you know, so the, the, the wine is, can be wine, unfortunately, can also be fashionable, and I th- we just we'll just stick with it. I think it ages really beautifully. Um, it's a really good accompaniment to lots of the food we like, whether that's sort of food with sort of Asian um, tendencies or um, you know summer food and um, curries, and it's great with foie gras. And so no, we'll um, the main we will we'll keep. Um, producing Riesling. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's good to hear. And I think uh, as, you know, cuisine has certainly um, grown in interest and, and reach, you know, the last few years with cooking shows and, um, you know, people cooking more at home and the, and the you know, food bag um, type of offerings, you know, encouraging people to try things differently. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that sort of starts to feed through into wine. People start to, you know, a natural progression of that maybe to a small extent, as people going, oh, what should I then match with my meal tonight rather than just drinking what I normally drink? Maybe I could try something a bit different that, that's going to um, that's going to pair better with, with what I've prepared. It's almost just a, you know, just part of the... Um, you, you maturity, know, probably, maturity, isn't it? Sort of I, yeah. Appreciation and understanding what you can do and um, that it's actually not that hard, you know, to um, try things out and see what goes. Exactly. And, and, and you know you're obviously right about the what's fashionable because you, you know it was at a time I think uh, there were a lot of a while back there were a lot of Chardonnay grapes that had been pulled out and replaced with Pinot, and mm. recently I'm hearing more and more that um, Chardonnay is something that people are thinking about planting a bit more of. The- exactly, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm. That just flies in the face of everything I believe. I mean, it it, it flies in the face of um, you know, so many aspects of, of my and, and, and my husband's life. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it takes a really long time to, um, understand your land and understand, um, um, your variety, the varieties that are planted on your land. And, you know, I, we, I feel like, you know, I, I know that our winemaker is just, we finally feel like we've got our head around the Pinot Noir and, you know, and, um, you know, responding to what it needs in the particular environment at Domain Rewa and, and all the grapes, are, the, the Chardonnay, the Pinot is obviously the, the most sensitive, but I just I just wouldn't want to sort of flippantly, um, you know, <laughs> pull out and move to something else. It's just, ah. I just, it isn't consistent with, um, with, our, with our values, really, with yeah. our beliefs. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. And so... Um, Pinot, the Pinot Noir. Then, how would you um, how would you describe that? Is what? Oh well, it's um, it's funny. It's been a it's been a, a troublesome uh, child. Um, so we moved to um, biodynamics, you know, really early on, and um, we're a very we're clearly a very stony site. You know, it's we're, there's a quarry. Is right across, there is a quarry right across the road from us, and our Pinot is planted closer closer to that. So we've struggled. We've moved to biodynamics, which has completely undoubtedly been the right thing to do. But the Pinot suffered a bit and had some pretty punchy tannins, which we've 
you know, we've tried to manage through winemaking and um, we've tried to manage on every front. But it's funny, they just come into their, their own. They just need a lot longer in the bottle and I think they probably age really well. I mean, I, of the oldest wine that we've obviously got off our vineyard is of Domain Rewa is 2011, which is still absolutely beautiful. Um, and we got an amazing... Um, email just last night from somebody in the UK who, who we didn't know who was just drinking the 2014 which we were so worried about the tannins in 2000 of the 2014 so it's all coming into itself it's into its own now it just I feel I feel like it's um we've done some hard yards and we've persevered but I'm we're, we're all really comfortable with with it now and it's got its own style and um I think it's um it's an it's an elegant um and sort of enduring Pinot, which yeah. um is yeah, it's rather it's rather beautiful really. And we're happy. Yeah, good, good. And it's <laughs> a generalization, but would you say that usually normally sort of four years is good to just let the Pinot sit for oh, I think ours is some I've drunk some Pinots that are quite approachable when they're young. I mean ours just isn't it just mm. is um but I personally like them all a bit older, absolutely. I mean, um, and so, yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we, we made a decision anyway that before we sort of really knew our site very well that we'd try and keep our pinos back. And, uh, and then, then ultimately we would have been forced into doing that anyway, but because we sort of made that investment very early on, we've just continued. So our current release for our pinos 2016 at the moment yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that, that's it, it. Not only suits our site, but this was sort of all part of our sort of ethos very early on. Yeah, nice, nice. And and Chardonnay, how would you d- describe that as a style? For... Uh, the Chardonnay. So just just in terms of giving you, I, I'm not a winemaker, and I'm not a wine. I, um, I'm not a you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a vineyard owner now, and I'm learning more and more. But so I didn't. I never wanted to. I knew. Was, um, that I wanted to farm organically, biodynamically, and the winemaking I had absolutely no idea about. So I just said to the winemaker, look, you make the wines that you love, right, and that are um, basically, but just for heaven's sake, please do not make me an old, do not make me um, a really oaky Chardonnay. And he goes, I said, that's the only thing I ask you. So he's just, he said, look, all I do is I just need the best possible fruit and you need to just keep striving for that with Gary and Grant and I'm sort of minimal intervention, sort of low touch um, winemaker. So that, that is that is his strategy. And what's come out of it, what's come out of that is just a very elegant old world um, Chardonnay. It's, it's just, it's just really beautiful. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not even, but it's just lovely and it's quite consistently lovely. Um, it's consistently um, subtle and um, it's elegant. It's just it's a beautiful wine. I mean, it's it's our sort of um, signature wine at the moment. Um, I think obviously helped by the fact that it was Chardonnay and Central Otago hasn't probably had a huge amount of competition. Um, cold climate Chardonnays are sort of coming into their own. But no, we're we're really we're very proud of uh, proud of it and um, and happy really. Yeah, we do release that a bit earlier. I mean. And we yes. we can. I mean, it's it's a bit. So we probably, I think, our current release for that is about. Ooh, it might it almost might be two thousand and eighteen, maybe yeah. just in the tail end of two thousand and seventeen at the moment. But I think two thousand and eighteen is soon to come out. Yeah. And um, do you do any um, 
sweet wines to dessert wine or anything or have you got any plans for anything else um so we did a rosé a rosé so mm. i because my husband my husband's from southern france and i was always you know quite a big fan of Provencal rosé so I had these visions of what I was going to produce with central Otago Pinot which was obviously completely stupid and ill-informed and actually also probably a little bit too ahead of my time which was in about 2000 and I think 13 I did it and it was called Rosie and it was a gorgeous bottle and it was supposed to be my sort of folly it wasn't supposed to be sort of as serious as Domain Rewa wines <laughs> so yeah. look she it was beautiful wine but um they had no no Pete to be fair hadn't made um much rose beforehand and, and it wasn't you know the flavor of the month like it is is now um mm. and it was a bit of a it wasn't a it, people bought it and loved it but the problem was with making really premium central using really premium central Otago Pinot Noir to make rose just doesn't really make sense I mean we lost a fortune on it um and the style wasn't, it's never, it's, I mean, why on earth was I trying to make a Provencal rosé in central Otago? I do not know. So, look, we basically did a fire sale on it all, and I just don't think I'll revisit that. I think I'll just continue to buy my rosé from Provence. Um, <laughs> um, so, have I got any other, no, I don't think I have any other plans. So sometimes I think about maybe doing a bit of dessert wine out of the Riesling, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't crossed that bridge. I'm sort of, my next step is, our next step is to get this um, Pinot Gris, Amphora Pinot Gris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. And we may grow a bit of Pinot Noir, actually, in Amphora even, probably would be the next step after that. Maybe not a huge amount, but just because it might be, there's talk that is maybe a little bit more, um, you know, drinkable early on. So it might be fun just to do a little bit of that, but it wouldn't, I don't think it would ever be on a, a massively commercial scale. No, well, yeah, no, nice to try things out, isn't it? And have the, exactly. um, have the freedom to do that. Yeah. Exactly, it keeps everyone interested. And and do you um, export at all or does it all go? Yeah, no, we do export. We export a lot. Well, um, I say we export probably a good 50%. So mm-hmm. we've got a really nice, with loyal, um, you know, client base, which is um, developed really slowly, but hopefully surely. And, um, you know, it was a case of sort of getting our stock up so we had enough it was that's been a bit of a balancing act but we sell um to a few of the scandinavian countries um we've sold into the uk um uh, we're, we're we're just in discussions at the moment with a couple of uh, people in the us uh, we've got a lovely distributor in australia that we've had you know for five or six years um so yeah that just continues to sort of slowly Get a bit of traction. It might be helped a little bit more, even with this falling New Zealand dollar. I'm hoping. Hoping. Yeah. I'm looking for any little prospects of light. You know, wine is it's never. There's probably the challenging part. To be honest, is you know, it doesn't matter how. You know, even if it was, you know, the, it's it's near, the, the selling side of it's always. I think you'll you'll often hear this, Boris. People saying the selling side is the challenging side, and it is a little bit. It's um just to find. You know, your product, the pro- I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm now, now I'm very confident in the product. So that helps. And it takes, you know, it takes some time before you're completely confident in what, what you've got. Cause you, you know, you'll become more aware of your competition and so on. And you learn about the industry a bit more. So we've reached that point, you know, we're 10 years in and we're very comfortable, but then you also have to find partners that, you know, you want to work with for the medium 
to long term or long term really because you know when it's your own business it sort of becomes part of you and you want the right people representing you and we're small and we're um you know we we require a bit of you know we're not a we're not a um barcode wine so you know it does need a bit of hand holding along the way so it's finding people that you know are passionate enough about it to want to do that but I feel like we've made some real inroads on that in sort of the past probably 18 to months to two years since we've moved back to New Zealand yeah yeah oh good very good and um so we finish on a question um that if you could have any glass of wine with anyone at any time anywhere who <laughs> and what and when would that be so it's funny. I thought a little bit about this. Um, as I did a lecture on, I thought you were going to ask me this question. Um, and I thought how lovely I'd like to have my, my domain, Rewa, is named after my grandmother, Rewa. Um, so I thought, oh, that would be lovely to see what she thought. And then I had my grandfather on the other side, who my son, my grandfather, Mortimer, who my son is named after. And I thought, oh, I'd love to see the two of them. And then I thought, oh, no, that's a little bit odd and it could be quite upsetting. So I'll just rest with them looking down and keeping an eye on us and then I remembered um I went traveling to I was lucky enough to go traveling to Syria and um before maybe I think it was about 2007 and I met this wonderful lady Arabella Stewart who was the food editor for Vogue and she talked quite a lot about one of her friends um Filipina Rothschild who obviously was part of the Rothschild estate and I read a little bit about her in the you know following years and then sadly I think she she died probably I think in about 2016 17 and she didn't go back to manage the Rothschild vineyard until she was in her late 40s and obviously she'd grown up as part of a very esteemed wine dynasty wine family um, and I'm not making, for one minute making any comparisons. <laughs> but I thought, oh, I'd love to meet you. I thought she, she, you know, she was educated in England. And I think she did great things when she went back to the Rothschild estate, you know, in her, when she was middle-aged, really. And she did great things until she passed away in her early 80s and, and developing, you know, that house of wine. And, and it has many of the sort of, the, I guess, those European sort of values of continuity and, um, taking a long-term vision and um, and also supported by the fact that it was a woman. I just I think I'd, I'd love to sit down and share a glass of wine with her, and probably a glass of champagne, Boris. Yes, yes, uh, that would that would be that would be your wine of choice, would it? To have have the yes, a glass of a glass of champagne. I think mm. so. That's pretty uncontroversial. Yeah, yeah. Is that on on in your vineyard, or would you like to go be there? Oh, that's, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Well, I would love to go. I, I do love, um, I love the Bordeaux area, so I'll, I'll, I'll go to Bordeaux. Okay. That would be rather lovely. Yes. Nice. Thanks, Philippa. I do appreciate your, your time, and um, thanks for um, persevering with the getting the technology working and things. Oh, no, a pleasure. It's, it's really nice to um, to talk with you, Boris. Thank, I know it's taken a little bit of time to to pin me down but um, thank you for persevering and um, I look forward to meeting you in, in person hopefully yeah. in the not too distant future we've been speaking with Philip from Domain Rewa in Loburn in the central Otago of New Zealand if you'd like to find out more about Domain Rewa you can go to domainrewa.com that's D-O-M-A-I-N-E Rewa R-E-W-A all one word dot com 
Be also sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine stories uh, and other episodes of the New Zealand Wine Podcast. And have a look at podcast.nz where you'll find some great New Zealand podcasts on some other topics. Thanks for listening in and we look forward to your company again very shortly. Hey, Kono mai. Bye for now.